Welcome back, guys, to episode 45. Today, we have the lovely M. Page, who's a financial advisor and the founder of Lumaire Wealth. After a decade of industry experience, Lumaire Wealth was established to help lead the next generation down the path of financial planning and education. She specializes in professional financial advice in association with helping the modern day family, single parents, millennials, and boss ladies alike, Lumet understands that the social norm of the quote-unquote everyday household has changed, therefore the advice that's out there needs to as well. M has been working in the field since she was 21 years old and was inspired to create a service with the female in mind, with the financial industry itself being male-dominated. M being a single mum herself, she understands the importance of women not only talking about money, but the importance of investing it and creating multiple streams of income. We have some good old soul chats in this episode about money, investing, savings, super, and so much more. For those of you who are wanting to become more financially literate and savvy, this is a no BS, no jargon episode where we break down things for you that's super simple so that you can be empowered on all the financial lingo that gets thrown around out there. You can find all of her details, such as her website and her Instagrams in the show notes below. And if you'd love to watch this live, we have this episode on YouTube and actually flew up to the Gold Coast and sat in our living room for this one. You can also check out our website at www.babestalkingbusiness.com or our Instagram at babestalkingbusiness, where we have loads of information, including our free download, our side hustle guide that you can get into your hot little hands today. It's a 40 page guide where we help you not only think about your bright idea and your business, but we share really interesting information with you that you really want to be aware about if you're in business or want to be in business. Plus we give you 53 different ideas on how you can start making an income today right away with a business on the side. One last thing, we just want to let you know, we are so grateful for you. Please give us a five star review. Every week on Instagram, we do a shout out of the week. Make sure if you leave us a five-star review that you leave your Instagram handle so we can tag you and share you with our family. So without further ado, we're so excited for you to hear from this lovely lady, Em. So this week, we have beautiful Em on the show. And I'm so excited. I think you guys have heard me talk about in previous weeks how I wanted to have someone on the show talk about money. Mm. Like, Shannon and I love money. And I think, especially as women, there's like, women are intimidated to talk about it. It's like, it's a dirty word. They don't know what to ask. They're scared they're going to sound silly by Mm. talking about it. So I thought, let's just create a safe space to delve in because you're obviously a financial advisor. And maybe talk a little bit more about your story and how you even got into that because you know that's a male-dominated industry as well. Absolutely. So should we rewind and start where it all started? Because I think you've been in the industry for 10 years now. Financial services, 10. And then I started in accounting from 13. So, yeah. What? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I guess that's the nature of having a dad that um, had an, an accounting practice. So I didn't really want to do that. I think I fought it. Um, tooth and nail in the beginning and I was like no I'm gonna get a job at McDonald's which I eventually did but I realized getting paid McDonald's wage versus accounting wage was probably a little bit different (laughs) (laughs) and you could get more bang for your buck and better experience so 
Oh, amazing. Yeah, so that was fun. Um, I think from that point I left school and I had made the opinion of never wanting to go back into a corporate role. I was no nine to five for me. I want to do something fun, as you do when you sort of leave school, you're a bit up in the air. Um, Gosh, and then I think I started studying business um, just because I had to do something and I wasn't sure what that was. You know, when you leave like HSC, it's like you must make a decision about life. Too young, in my opinion. (laughs) You're way too young to make big decisions like that. Um, So I went the opposite way and got a hairdressing apprenticeship. Wow. Yeah. And then I didn't even finish my business. Um, I was doing a diploma at the time. I had one assignment due. So this is how stupid and naive I was in the beginning. Ah, can I submit that new, that last assessment? I'll just get, I've got this hairdressing apprenticeship now. I'm going to be killing it. But yeah, full-time work, good money. I think it was like $250 a week. Anyway. <laughs> full-time uh so then I was allergic to everything so I then had to just kind of sit and go well what what happens next I think I stayed in um in more of like a salon admin role for up to 12 months whilst I started studying financial planning and then I haven't looked back since so yeah that's that's where it all kind of came from and unfortunately to my own I don't even know what I'd refer to it as. Now I just laugh because it's really funny that the one thing that I promised myself I'd never do, here I am. (laughs) And owning it, like really good at it. Yeah, yeah, and it's great. I mean, you mentioned before that there's not many females. So um, I remember getting my first um, traineeship and as part of the interview, and it's really funny, it's the company that I contract to now, the the guy um, through Sufficient Funds, James, he um, was like, oh, how do you feel you'll be the only female in the whole national company doing what you do? And I was like, wow, is that is that really what it's going to be like? Yeah, you might have to go to clients' houses a little bit late at night. It might be dark. Do you really think you're going to be comfortable with that? And, yeah, it's been pretty rewarding. I feel like there's always a feminine touch that you can throw on to to that kind of thing around advice, which is really nice. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, they say that the female energy of the house is the person who should be looking after the funds. Where did I hear that? I think my coach told Mitch me that. Mills. Yeah. I say that. So, so that's interesting. Comes from a different place, that's for sure. Yeah. yeah. And so I know when we were chatting, we're talking about the importance, especially because it is such a male-dominated industry for women who maybe you're wanting to look into wealth creation or wanting to learn a bit more about money, have a woman wealth advisor, someone who can really understand them. Um, without your education, I don't know, or even from your experience, mm-hmm. do you find many women are engaging with wealth advisors? They're kind of leaving it up to men to do. It's, it's such a weird thing. I feel like people only ever start looking for a financial planner primarily when something's gone significantly wrong, maybe not mm. to them, but maybe to someone close to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and you find a lot of women just don't tend to seek it independently until maybe they've gone through a separation and they really can't manage it. Maybe their husband was the breadwinner. They might have been bringing up the children and put aside their career or maybe just wasn't the path that they'd chosen to follow. And it's really daunting to them. It's scary. Maybe they don't feel like they've achieved enough. So going and disclosing their financial affairs to someone seems a little bit scary and they might be judged. And I think finances in general are pretty stressful and a lot of people learn to just shut it out because Mm. otherwise you start losing sleep and it just creates bigger problems but yeah I think being a female um, I think primarily now I'm starting to focus on the female empowerment it's really crazy how much females are starting to come out of the woodwork and now and acknowledging how nice it is to find a female to offer a service 
which is, yeah, it's only something I've noticed in maybe the last two, three years. Before that, it was not really a thing. It's crazy. And I know, I don't know if I talk on behalf of some of you guys who are tuning in, but until we started our business and kind of got into the personal development world, I read a book, um, Rich Dad, Poor Dad by um, yep. Robert Kiyosaki. And then I read his wife's book, Rich Woman by Kim Kiyosaki. And that just opened me up to the world and the statistics of why it's so important for women to not only feel comfortable to talk about money, but to understand how to manage money and how to invest money. And yeah. I know we're talking briefly about the statistics before. And like you just mentioned, like one in two marriages these days end in divorce. Yep. And if people find it really fun, because like you said, people don't really start talking about money or investing until something goes wrong. So it's funny to have us chicks who are in, we're in our early twenties. We started business talking about having second streams of income yeah. and having financial security when we're embarking on a marriage and all these beautiful things. But I think it's important at this age because that's where you can make the most difference to set yourself up for security and have these conversations. And yeah, you don't go into a marriage thinking you're going to end up in divorce, no, but no. one in one in <laughs> one in two do. Yeah. And then what most of us do, we end up having kids. Then we go home, whether we're the home, well, we're the homemaker, and then our, we're trusting our partners, investing and dealing with finances. And when shit goes heads up. You've got no idea where your money's gone. You don't know how to manage it. And in most circumstances, women end up being the sole provider for their kids anyway. Right. Yeah. Or they stay in relationships because they have no other way. Yeah. You have no money, no idea the number of calls I've had with women who have called and they're wanting help, but it's Mm. primarily around, okay, well, this is, I'm I'm wanting to leave. I'm really wanting to leave, but I'm really worried. It's the financial part. Like, I don't think I can do it. I don't have enough money how am I going to support the children what am I going to do and they're stuck in such this fear space and I never hear from them again and you just know that they've just made the decision that that's just the path that they're on and they'll they potentially might seek someone else out later and you really hope that they do but the reality is it's they, they, they end up staying until maybe the kids have grown up and just can't take it anymore yeah I think yeah we're definitely moving into a time where women are starting to see that they need to be in charge of their their wealth and their savings and their money and they need to know what they're doing with it. I think it's a really great time for women. And I know for me personally, and I know you, Loz, as well, like we are so in charge of our finances Mm -hmm. and I'm like, I'm not going to let anyone else control this because I want to know where every cent is going and so many like great principles out there to teach women but I think it's still such a weird topic to talk about and yeah there's a a stigma around Mm -hmm. it and I feel like a lot of women are too embarrassed to talk about because they feel like they don't know enough and they're at the risk of sounding silly um but yeah I think even when we embarked in our business with babes in business I remember thinking like I want to create an income or a business that I will always have my own income. Like, no matter what happens, if I have kids, if I'm not working, I'll never be in a position where I'm relying on a man. Not because I don't have an issue with relying on a man, but I never want to be stuck in a position where I'm there because I need to be, not because I don't want to be. Mm. So I'd love to maybe ask you, like, let's say for women who are thinking ahead, right? Women who get this, maybe they're in their 20s. Nothing bad's happened yet. They're yep. not in crisis mode yet. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you know that saying, dig the well before you're thirsty, like setting themselves up for security. Yes. 
I love that. Yeah. And then knowing, okay, well, I, I want to be a bit smarter with my money. What are some tips that you would give for women who maybe haven't done much with their wealth before or they're kind of wanting to start looking into investing? Like what would you say for people who are just kind of starting out and don't know very much about it? Oh, my goodness. So I love podcasts and it's funny because we're talking about it on, on a podcast, but the amount of knowledge that's shared within 60 minutes of um of, of a financial podcast in particular can teach you so many things or just change the way you think about it. That's always a good start, particularly if you're just not really sure if it's for you. Um, the best thing I can ever tell someone, and I think it's one of the primary misconceptions, is uh, you don't have to have money to start. Mm. It's as simple as you could be putting $2 or and you spare change basically aside and over time that's going to compound and build over time and suddenly by the time that you may be 30 or looking to get married or buy your first home you haven't really worked any harder for it it's just about being a little bit smarter about where you've directed it and getting the money to really start to work for you in a much more positive way so speaking with a financial advisor is awesome I think it comes down to um, if you're looking at, at inv- um, investing, you really need to sort of understand your risk tolerance. That's huge. Um, I think people instantly assume that all invest- all investments are high risk, which is not necessarily the case. There's so many different alternatives out there which can be suitable to anyone um, and also your time frame. So you're not going to throw all of your, say, for instance, you went into the casino, you're not going to put all of your money on a I don't know much about gambling, but a black, <laughs> but a black, t- black two, for instance, yeah. and hope for the best, um, and think that you're going to make all your money back straight away. It's more about knowing what your time frames are. Do you have the time aside to be able to tolerate the market fluctuations? Mm-hmm. If your investment goes down a little bit over the duration of the investment, has it still grown in value? Um, but also what you intend to do with the money that you're investing too. Mm. So um, if you're looking to buy a house but it may not be for maybe five, ten years because you're starting really, really young, then you're going to invest quite differently to where um, you might be wanting to buy a house in the next six to 12 months, for instance. So that's, I reckon, always speaking to a planner around even just understanding that's really great. And I'm going to play devil's advocate because yeah. I know the Shani 10 years ago, if I was listening to a podcast episode like this, I'd be like, what? <laughs> yeah. What did you say? What's risk tolerance? Like yeah. what is all this stuff? So let's break it down so it's yes. really easy. Um, from my understanding, when you invest, there are three different types of things you can invest in, like low risk, medium risk, high risk. Yep. And according to what, how would you tell someone or what would you say to someone if they had some savings that they wanted to invest like would you start at the low risk and then work your way up I think it's more about even taking it a step like back from that as as what you're investing for I think Mm. before you even start looking into investment options before you're starting to address your risk tolerance you need to think okay what's my why why am I doing this is it to just basically generate a second income stream for myself in the long term do I want to be able to take a few hours off a week and then still have the same level of income that type of thing and assess that first um then I'd probably have a look at okay so how much have I got do I am I putting a large sum of money away and what's going to happen to me if this falls by 10 percent um in maybe year one and then basically depending on what that goal is it's to buy a house and you're doing it 12 months you're probably not going to go throw everything in a high risk option because the 
if I was to draw it up on a scale, which I normally would, you've got a graph and just imagine like all of this volatility. It's just like a giant scribble going, 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 going. There's lots of peaks and troughs in there and they're a lot more frequent to something. But even leaving money in a bank is basically considering investing. Yeah. Um, you've also got the option that you could lose it because GFC, banks go under, you yeah. def- technically can't get your money out. Yeah. So yeah. it's about really having a big look inside yourself and saying, okay, so I might have 5000 I might have $200. If that was to be lost and I've worked really hard for that amount of money, how would I feel versus what's the outcome that I'm hoping to achieve? Mm -hmm. And then you can start to create maybe a plan or better understanding of whether you're really happy to play it like it's a a gamble or you want to be a little bit more conservative and go towards the more beginner scale. Yeah, also, always good to kind of dip your toe in first. Yeah. Um, yeah. I see. I have well. a really bad personality where I go into the casino and I'm like, all on red. <laughs> and then my husband's like the very reserved, like, don't be emotional. Stop. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes. <laughs> but from my understanding, so a low risk investment would generally take a little bit longer to make a profit on because if you guys are watching on on youtube it sort of like does something like this whereas something like medium to high risk there is that volatility and so you win heaps but then you lose heaps and it's sort of like all over the place so um what would you what are some really cool things that people can invest in like what's out there what are the options so there's so many so as, as I mentioned just a minute ago cash is an investment um so if you're wanting to buy a house maybe in six months time whether you would want any more exposure to that ugh, I don't know um but you've got things like um interest savings accounts which might not necessarily be great in the current climate um cash isn't worth too much uh you have bonds um fixed interest, those kind of situations where it's guaranteed a smaller amount of percentage and you're investing back in the bank so they can go lend money and and, and so on and so forth. Um, and then more commonly, you've got your shares, which people know about property and managed funds. Um, and they're going to be a little bit more aggressive um, and have come with different, I guess, structures. So understanding property, brick and mortar. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you've got stocks, so you're buying like a little parcel of a big company and hoping for the best. Where a managed fund is going to give you opportunity to invest in maybe a little bit of property and also some companies to get some stocks in and you're getting a real diversified portfolio. And the benefit of doing something like that might give you an option to not feel like you need to go in and really set on one particular investment mm-hmm. and more like diversifying it and not putting all your eggs in one basket. So there's lots. Yeah. It's, and it's, I don't know about you guys, but maybe I talk on behalf of myself when I say this, but I think there's also a generational thing too. Like I know... Um, like I said, I don't know if it's just my socioeconomic background or where I've grown up, but it was kind of groomed or the, what I get passed down from parents and elders is like invest in property. And then things, I think their generation, a lot of them in that generation did that. Um, and obviously times are changing, the market's changing. Yep. Um, if you're somebody who, and everyone's going to give an opinion, <laughs> everyone's giving an opinion on what you should invest in. But if you're somebody who wants to be like, all right, well, I know I want to invest, I'm going to go seek some advice from a financial advisor. I'm going to educate myself by listening to some podcasts. Is there any books or anything that you would recommend? Like how can someone make a good decision for them, whether they should be investing in market, like in property, in shares? Like how do you make that decision for you and where do you start in doing that? 
Um, from, I see it's a bit tricky. From my perspective, I'd go speak to um, like fund managers and talk about that from a more like detailed level. I mean, there's cool things that you can Google. You can go on and literally um, Google, here's a good one, uh, Morningstar and just jump on their general website and they'll give you an, a daily market update. It's a little bit, if you're not interested, it's going to probably put you to sleep, let's be <laughs> honest. But it's a really good way to start to get a good feel um, of how it all works and the terminology and get yourself really accustomed to what's to be expected. And then if you've got questions, pick up the phone, call an advisor. Often or not, they, they're happy to speak to you and not charge you a fee. Yeah. Um, so there's so much you can do. There's oh, Podcasts are really good. My Millennial Money, um, she's on the money. There's so many different things around that. The one thing that does make me irk is, and I hate to say it, but um, the Barefoot Investor. I was going to say, yeah. I was going to say, uh, what's, what's your thing? Why? I love okay, him. Let's talk. Let's <laughs> why? I want to know why. I'm not saying that his book, his book yeah. does great things in terms of educating people more than what they've currently yeah, got because absolutely. people are so undereducated. And the one additional thing is why we're not educated about it in school, but I don't know. Um, I agree. This should be like part of the curriculum. School. You know what? There'd be so many problems solved by just putting it in part of the curriculum. Yeah. Yeah. It's like credit, sorry, credit card debt. If you knew about interest and how it worked, then people just wouldn't get into these horrible positions when they get out of school whilst trying mm-hmm. to study and maybe only work part-time or casually. Um, but, yeah, back to um, Barefoot Invest. I just think... It's really scary when you go and start naming products and telling people what to do when you don't know their personal situation. It's extremely risky and even even in what I do, for every recommendation that I make as a planner, I have to go and compare it to two or three other alternatives mm-hmm. before I can make base an opinion on where I think somebody should put their money. And the fact that he instantly goes in there and tells people to roll it into one set super fund and... and um, that set super fund is an industry fund and they not that may not generally be in the best interest. Oh, goodness, no. And not, not ragging on industry funds either. There's definitely a time and place where they are great. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not everyone and there's different tax structures that come alongside that, not to, ferment, not to mention the instant loss of personal insurances that come by rolling out a super fund without even taking that into can- uh, in consideration instantly removes all insurance and if someone is of poor health um those insurances can't be replaced so your income protection your life insurance um your trauma insurance if all the things that are going to help you safeguard your livelihood if you have an accident or become sick or your family member becomes sick and it it's just it's just really scary um but in saying that yeah his cash flow things i'm a massive fan of so yeah yeah. i was gonna say it's probably one of the books in the last three years it's really helped me because i was that person who was like i want money like i want the freedom but it all sounds really scary and i just like oh damn tell me what that means mum and dad work that out and explain it to me afterwards rather than just taking ownership being like well you know what this is my future and if if i how can i expect somebody to manage my own money if i'm not going to manage it and be smart with it so i made it my thing over the last two years, I've read so many books and some have been very boring. I've read a lot about stocks, which are very boring for me. Hmm. But I wanted to be educated on it. I think Barefoot Investor is probably the best book that I read that just made it simplified for somebody yes, who's wanting to start and really be a bit well. more educated on like how to save, how to make sure you've got your, your money for daily living, how to save for a rainy day, the, the idea of how to pay off debt or a mortgage or credit card debt or the importance of super, and I think a lot of people don't realise why they need super, and especially with the market the way it's going, like we're not going to have pensions by the time we need it, so you're going to have to need your own money to fall back on. 
And that's when it comes so much, so heavily back into investing. We can't rely on super to fund our income stream when we retire. And to be honest, if you relied on that solely without any other form of external investing, you're probably not going to survive. And it means that you're going to, well, today people are going back to rely on the government pension, but we can't guarantee for our generation that that's going to be there. We've gone through the baby boomers. The reason that we've got super in the first place was because our economy couldn't fund the, the, the increasing ageing population. So we're really lucky that we've been forced into having superannuation from the start of our working career. But there's so many different things you need to look outside of that or even just using super and how you invest within your super. Yeah. Even just starting there is a really great way to, to, to um, yeah. your toe in the water as well. I know for me, like, I mean, I started working when I was 14 and you automatically get a super and I always used to be like, that's so annoying. Why can't I access that money? And I didn't know what super was. And then as I got older, I guess I just like had a million different super funds because I had so many jobs like through my teenage years. And then it wasn't until my mid twenties where, I don't know, I think I read somewhere or someone told me like, you can roll them all into one. And I did that. And then I still didn't know what super was. I, I just felt like it was me getting scammed and like someone was <laughs> holding my money. And then um, I remember having a conversation with someone who was like, do you know what where your funds are invested from the super that you're a part of? And I was like, wait, what? I thought the people who took my super money just like, I didn't know they were investing my money in different things. And I didn't know that like a GFC would do something to my super like it just blew my mind and I think about how many people out there still don't understand how super works and do they even know where their super funds are being invested in and are they in low risk investments are they in high risk investments like I think that's something we really need to get out there as well because I didn't know that until very very late into my 20s. It's huge. I sit with people all the time and just by spreading your investment into over seven different funds has such a huge long-term effect on your overall capital. Um, It's just like, for instance, say you've got a pool of money and you're just throwing a dollar here and a dollar there and maybe $2 over here, (laughs) or you could leave it all here and it's a nice little big pot of gold basically. And it's so I see one, people don't understand it, but two, they also leave it in these more commonly under-invested um, portfolios which aren't producing the level of return that they need over the long term mm-hmm. of their working career. So they're missing out on already something that's going to be quite limiting for their retirement, but they're missing all the upscale and potential downscale too, but all of that opportunity to boost their retirement capital resulting in this mm-hmm. high level of um mental blank um but this inefficiency of people being able to support themselves in retirement and for women in particular too they're outliving men and um um they haven't always had the long-term working careers as as us millennials have we're more inclined to have careers and work a lot longer but they don't have the super behind them they haven't had a partner who's contributed into super for them. them when the yeah. husband dies it they probably may have already depleted his super fund so then what happens to them once that they've got to live a particular mm. longer period is it up to the children to support the difference we we all hear how difficult it, how difficult it is to rely on the age pension and yeah. how how hard it is 
like the switching off power, not using power. Like it, it's crazy. And my mum's a pensioner and I see it too. It's, it's not enjoyable. No. Absolutely not, not enjoyable at all. And that's what kind of comes back to that thing, like digging the well before you're thirsty. Like it, yep. it's up to making decisions now, earlier in life, where you, you're not in a risk situation or you're not in a trauma situation, mm-hmm. you're not in a crisis where you can set yourself up. So you have multiple income streams, you have security. So when you can be a mom and you can enjoy having time off, you can have extra in your super, yep. you've got things there if shit goes wrong. Um, I'd love for you to talk into it. Do you think it's important for women to have a second income or do you think women just have a job? Like what's your stance on all that? Well, I think it's always important to consider other options. Um, We've got this society now and this culture that we must live a certain way, right? So working yourself to the bone, you can only work so many hours of the day, which are going to give you standard salary. How are we going to continue to fund these increasingly expensive lifestyles or even just the cost of living is increasing over time? Mm. The... um, Inflation doesn't necessarily keep up with it. So how are we going to continue to meet the everyday needs? Well, a common thing that you hear now, everyone's talking about the side hustle. I consider investing a side hustle on steroids, really. Um, And it's basically not having something that you need to physically exert yourself for. It's kind of maximising what you've already got and just getting it to work equally as hard for you in return um, and that could be it might not be something that you're wanting to draw a passive income from yourself to top up your current income stream but it could be to generate capital so once you do want to have kids and you want to maybe want to have an extended period off on maternity leave um, then maybe you can draw down on that investment or draw an income stream that's going to support you the same level of income that you may have working and then you're not forced to go back to work I got made redundant uh, five or six years ago now and I hadn't travelled. I went straight into the working career and just didn't stop. Um, Whilst I was away, I met my daughter's father and I came back pregnant and just the whole extreme of being on a travelling vacation, using all your income, not being able to get a job because I was pregnant when I came back, but then also being forced to go back to work a lot earlier than Mm. I would have ever loved to, full-time, mind you. Like, I didn't have the option. Part-time wasn't an option in my field. It was either you're in, you're fully in, or you're out. Um, And just having the flexibility to make that choice. Um, Yeah, it's really important to have a look at different different avenues to bring in income. And it may not necessarily mean that you want the flexibility now, but you're definitely going to want it some stage in life it could even be just to fund your holiday fund or the extra lifestyle goals that you set for yourself yeah or your kids I think we're in a time at the moment where security is questionable people are losing their jobs or they're being laid off or they're being told to take two months off without pay because of what's happening in the world at the moment Mm -hmm. um like borders are being closed airlines are losing millions like stock market lost something like 50 billion in the last 30 days like there's so much going on in the world right now and I think people are actually scared about what could potentially happen and I believe now more than ever is probably a really good time to be really smart about what we're doing with our money how we're saving it um, where we're placing it and investing it what would be your advice for people who maybe have lost their job or their job isn't looking safe or yeah should they really be looking at other ways that they can make have their money make them money 
Absolutely. I'm I'm always, the earlier you start, the much better you'll be and the less stressful and the least amount of risk that you'll be needing to take. So the sooner the better. Um, I think primarily, particularly with what we're seeing at the moment with the coronavirus, it's absolutely crazy. I was only talking to one of my girlfriends who's in Denmark um, at the moment and they've literally shut, shut down Denmark and she's said, you can still walk around in the streets and everything, but um, soon they're basically going to say no eating out, no grocery stores, everything's wow. going to stop. So what happens to the people that work in the grocery stores? Like who's going to take that financial responsibility because the grocery stores aren't getting the income? How are they supposed to support the people who are on these salaries to pay them their income streams? Yeah. Who takes the responsibility? So it's always, always, always... I recommend having a look at different alternatives that can kind of step in and take at least paying your cost of living, even just jotting down your budget, you know, and getting to understand what your actual cost of living is before anything else yep. important. And it might even be as little as $50 a week that you're putting aside for an emergency, but it's $50 that may have exposure to the market that over time could be building something that could support you enough and be pulling down enough for you to like maybe pay for the two months off work that yeah. you're unable to, to do yeah it's because is it I, I don't know if it's true but I read somewhere that in Australia and USA is the same like most the most people in the population are only are one or two paychecks ahead so if something yeah. was to happen and they mm. were to be out of work they've only got so money in savings for them for two weeks like that's what, scary isn't that yeah. and that's the that's reality of what most families are facing right now so I'm like don't a side, a side hustle doesn't necessarily have to be sexy either. Sometimes it's a necessity. Yeah. It's you need to have a second income stream because no one plans for divorce, no one plans for sickness, no one plans for death, no one plans for disability, like for that shit happens. And if you're trading your time for money when you can stop when you stop working, how do you make money? Invest, investing <laughs> yeah it's the only way i mean you've only got 24 hours in a day you're still going to need to sleep you can't just get another second job and a third job it doesn't it doesn't work like that so, yeah yeah well i i read somewhere the other day that there are three ways to make money and that's to trade your time for money or there is investments or there is duplicating your time which is creating a residual income and i love that that's that's it like they're the three ways and now more than ever is a really smart time to educate ourselves on those three ways and start opening up to options and things like that. Like the fact that people don't have savings for what might come in the next few months, like that's really sad. And I think it's up to us to really educate people on how they can get themselves out of a pretty scary situation potentially. Yeah. You say that people only have like the studies, maybe two paychecks. I can hand on heart say the majority of the clients that come in don't even have that and the debt the debt I can't even understand the level of debt and with these increased options around like your afterpay and your zip pay oh my god it's just creating a bigger issue people just keep paying with money they don't have correct and yeah it's absolutely out of control and we really do need to help educate people on just how important looking at other options really are and if you're starting early you probably won't even notice that you're doing it and it's, you know, it's, and like just to, on the other side, being a devil's advocate or even just kind of showing or letting you guys listen to another side of a story. Like if you're an employee though at the moment, like it's even hard for bosses. Like it's funny because my partner has a traditional business and what's happening in the market right now is affecting big businesses and they don't want to, but they've got to lay people off. Like they don't have the money coming into dance, having to let people go at the moment. And it breaks his heart and you think, 
you're not you're not secure in a job and it's not because they don't want you there it's because the market it it influences everything right now so and going back to Afterpay, actually, that's something I really want to bring up because I feel like Afterpay and Zippay and all those like really cool things that's like, buy now, pay later, like really targeting vulnerable people who... Especially women because we buy yes, stuff. Yes. <laughs> everywhere. Absolutely and everywhere. In a society where we're such consumers and we are such all about short term gratification like I want it now I don't want to save for it and like really work for it I want it now like I know so many people that I could name right now that are just relying on afterpay or programs like that and they're not understanding that yes it's interest free quote unquote but where they're actually making their money is in the fees it's in when you um, default a payment Mm -hmm. and they're they're they're, you are their perfect customer, pretty much. So I hate it when I see people really jump onto Afterpay and things like that because I'm I'm all about, like, I don't have a credit card. Yeah. I've chopped mine up years ago. Whenever I travel or whenever I buy something, it is cold, hard cash. And I really want to empower women to have that mentality so that they're not in that debt yes. that I'm sure you see a lot of. I see some scary figures and figures that... I today still go, uh, I nearly need a minute and just walk out. It's That's scary. Oh, it's horrible. And it, it just, it doesn't get any better. Once you're in a debt position, who's going to come in? The next next step is you let it go for months, maybe 12 months, and then it's okay. Well, the real hard decision is do we fall for um, bankruptcy? Like, well, and then that's something that's going to follow you around for years after. And then in terms of wealth and accumulation, if you get laid off in that process and it's just a giant snowball. What's the consequences of bankruptcy for those who may not know? Yeah, so basically um, no financing. No, that's just gone. Sometimes you can't even leave the country. Um, the loss of your possessions, repossession, all of that kind of thing. And then you might not necessarily not um, – people just think you don't have to pay the money back. They potentially can, and they can come after your super. So wow. – Oh, well, that's not something. It's not like just an easy way out. Like, oh. oh, I'll just file for bankruptcy and then this problem will be disappeared. <laughs> It'll be a smell that will follow you forever. Yeah, right. Yeah. So yeah. in, I love that we've called the elephant out in the room. The coronavirus and what's happening in the market right mm-hmm. now is big. Everyone's feeling feeling the pressure of that and the insecurity of that and the uncertainty of that. But if we were to flip it on its head and talk about some of the positives that are happening right now, like mortgage rates have never been this low ever hey so it's a good opportunity if you've got a mortgage like pay pay like obviously guys this isn't personalized advice there is a disclaimer in this so yeah make sure you talk to somebody about this but if we look at the perks and in the opportunity that is here right now like mortgage rates have never been this low so if you've got cash and you can pay off debt it's a good time to do it um we're talking even before about like shares like shares have gone down like they're probably going to go down a lot more before they go up, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. <laughs> but there's an opportunity to invest and make money over the next 5, 10, 20 years. But even like there's never been more opportunities and options for side hustles and income streams online too. Like yeah. there is as much as there's, there's an opportunity, there is a lot of uncertainty right now. There's a lot of opportunity as well. Would you agree? Absolutely. And we're so lucky We've got phones that connect to everything and everyone. There is so much opportunity for us 
to do anything. And it's not about just connecting to people that you walk past in the street now. It could be somebody in a completely different country. Mm. So suddenly your little market has just exploded and we could be um, in quarantine in our own homes and we could be exploring options to, to, to look at ways to continue to bring another income. It might not be that you're driving an Uber um, or, or <laughs> delivering Uber Eats or something like that, but there's definitely options. Spend the time, go through your wardrobe, offload some of those old clothes that you don't need anymore. Mm. Um, Keep an eye on our page too because we're going to have a really cool ebook we're going to share with you ladies over the next week on how you can create a side hustle as yes. well. We've been excited to share that. Um, yeah, it's crazy, but exciting. Very exciting. I'm excited. I, you know, if I can be really transparent, I was in a really bad financial position 10, 10 years ago. And I've shared this on the podcast before. Like I didn't have any education around how a credit card worked. And so I got one and it started off as being like a little $1,000 max. And then every couple of months, like I'd get an increase and I'd be like, yes, I qualified for this. And I ended up in a $12,000 credit card debt where I was in a position I couldn't pay anything other than the minimum. Yep. And that went on for years. And it was like this big, ugly cloud over my head that just put this subconscious stress on me, even though I was kind of oblivious and naive to what I had, the position I put myself in. Yep. I was still a little bit stressed about it because I was like, I've got 12 grand that like, and I spent it on dumb things like petrol and the movies. And I think I went to Europe for my 21st birthday and took that credit card with me and like just bought Nutella crepes in Paris, like just really dumb stuff. And I think now more than ever, I think the journey of learning how to pay that off and save and, you know, my, my financial coaches have always taught me like have three months worth of savings and do not touch it and anything over three months worth of savings invest. And so I was brought in the last, I guess, the last five years of my life, like got to have savings, got to have three months worth. Anything happens, not even with the economic crisis or anything like that. Like if I injure myself or something happens where I'm not able to work, you want to have that security there. And so I think what I'm trying to say is it's such a nice feeling coming into a time like now and not being in the position I was in 10 years ago. And I hope that people can be inspired by this podcast to go, right, enough's enough. Like if you're the person with the credit card debt, like let's get that fixed up. If you're maybe you have savings and you're like, okay, I should be smart about this I should make my money make me money like go and talk to a financial advisor and let's like talk about what options you have I really hope this inspires people to just get out of that position where most of us find ourselves in and you know what everyone does everyone has that at least one hard financial expensive lesson (laughs) that you start off with and it's kind of like you turn 18 yes I would really love to go do that Europe trip after school yeah. I've only been working casually, been lucky to maybe earn $5,000 a year, going through the party scene, also trying to study maybe. Um, when you're young, you honestly just have no understanding and parents don't spend a lot of time teaching their kids either because they haven't been provided that education. So it's the spiral doesn't end because it just follows generation after generation after generation and no one's there stopping it. Yeah. Um, 
But now people have a tribe where you can come talk yes. to women. And I love like we're in a stage of life where we are lucky and women want to know. Women are being yeah. empowered. It's not silly. If you don't know it, you don't know much about wealth creation. It's cool. You don't sound we like silly to us. Well. We had knew nothing. Um, so connect. I love that we connected online. There's podcasts like talk about it, ask questions. It's mm-hmm. not silly. The only silly question is one you don't ask. And um, I think women, yeah, we really can be empowered to live a life that you love and to have opportunities and security. You really can have it all. Yeah. Where can people find you if they want to ask you questions or, yeah, just get in touch with you? Yes. Yeah, so I have my Instagram. You can find uh, me at fp. And allumare.co and my website, which my amazing partner just built for me in the last couple of weeks, uh, is lumare.co. And just plug in a couple of questions there. They come to me directly and, yeah, I'm always happy to have a chat, even over a coffee if you need a bit of a debrief, which lots of people just need a little bit of a shove. Yeah, we'll Um, we'll put all those links in our show notes so people can connect with you. That'll be great. That was fun. How do you feel? You did it. I can talk too much, but that's (laughs) Buddy Afterpay. (laughs) Wow, what an amazing episode. I hope you're feeling inspired after that conversation and empowered to make some changes and choices in your life. Now, don't forget to let us know if you loved this episode. Please give us a five-star review. It really helps us know that we're on track with serving you guys and also majorly supports our channel. And you may even be in the running to be the shout-out of the week. Every week on Instagram, we share one of our reviews with our network. So please be sure to leave your Instagram handle or your website in your review so we can share you with our amazing community. Community. If you head over to the link in our bio on Instagram at Babes Talking Business, you can get access to so many of our goodies, including the link to our bib shop. It's a crazy cute online merchandise shop that donates 100% of profits to a non-for-profit charity every month. So head over and check out who we're donating to this month and get yourself something super cute to wear. You can also find in our Instagram bio, our books. You can get your hands on Life Above Zero by Lauren Kerr or The Four Year Career with Shani Thompson. Both super easy reads and incredible books to help you expand and evolve in even deeper ways. Now, don't forget to head over to the show notes. You can check out any of the links or the books or the references we mentioned in this episode. And before we go, we just want to say thanks so much for being here, for committing to being the best version of you and for showing up for you today. You are freaking amazing. Now, If you think that there is someone in your life that could really benefit from this episode, while you're feeling super inspired, please hit the share button and send them this episode right now. And the reason we're asking you to share the love is because you get what you give. And the more that you give and inspire, the more you get in return. Head over to www.babestalkingbusiness.com to check out all of our other podcasts. And we just want to say we are sending you so much love and we hope to see you soon. That's what I feel in my heart.